Let the games begin. By taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. Chit chat. Yeah, chit chat. Thank you. Conversation must be stimulating. There's still, you need a set of aesthetic guidelines to put it in social perspective. I think. Maybe what we need here is a fresh perspective. Fresh points of view, stimulating conversation. Stop. I thought it would put things in perspective for you. Let's begin. All right. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today's episode will be a little bit different, and uh, we're I have my friend Nessie on. And about a year ago, I did this series of interviews uh, with different women about their experiences with online dating. And it was, you know, I'm still sitting on the footage. You know, me, I, I take forever to edit things, but uh, it was a great experience. It was a good learning experience, um, and it was it was kind of during the beginning of COVID when all this online stuff was really taking off all the video, uh, you know, chat. And then, you know, time since then podcasts are taking off clubhouse and all that, um, you know, it's forced a lot of people to go digital in a lot of their social life. And obviously dating is a big part of that. And now that things are opening back up, it seems like a good time to bring the subject back up. Um, Nessie and I discussed this idea and kind of follow up to those interviews uh, of some kind of, I think we've been just calling it a sexy podcast, um, but something that's maybe a little more adult, a little more uh, mature kind of entertainment. And, you know, just kind of remembering that idea and, and thinking about as, as things are opening back up and the whole like dating scene is, is coming back to life. I thought it'd be interesting to have a conversation about that today. So that said, welcome Nessie, if you want to introduce yourself or, you know, give a little context of your background, uh, for you to do so. Also have Mikey here today. who was on an earlier episode. He's one of the core tomorrow people members. And I think he, you know, I just have good chemistry and back and forth. And I think this is going to be a fun, fun episode. So welcome Nessie and Mikey. Hello. First of all, thank you for having me. Super excited. Uh, this is my first podcast and, um, yeah, I mean, Sergey and I, we've known each other for two or three years now and met at some social events. Um, and yeah, last year when COVID started, things just went haywire. And um, I was just, yeah, thinking about some things that women might like as well, because obviously there's so much uh, porn and visual stimulation out there. And at the same time, I felt like, audio audio might be a big thing and um i did some research um so i'm in organization development where you know always looking for what can be done better what do we need what's out there but what's not out there and um yeah i did some research and for some reason the sexy podcast idea or telling stories um May it be more the porn, may it be more just some other uh, stimulation. I, it was just um, an interesting topic to talk about and really fun. Right now, I'm I'm still I, I'm still thinking about doing it at some point, um, but it hasn't really taken off yet. Um, yeah. Cool. When something that came to mind when we were talking about this originally was um, like erotic fiction like novels it's something because you, you kind of made it sound like this is geared a little bit more towards women um 
Why do you think that is? Like, do you think do you think this is more of a market for women, or is it you know does this apply to men too, or like is it equal? Um, yeah. Wow, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you know, you may have heard about um, Fifty Shades of Grey, and that was a big hit um, when I just whatever about five, six, seven years ago. I don't even remember when they came out um, that series. I went on the library website in Marin, uh, that's a little north of San Francisco, and just did a yeah, library search, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and kid you not, it was booked out or sold out or whatever you call it at a library for eight weeks or something like that, or just like a long time to wait for a book. And um, somehow last year, okay, also right pre-COVID, I was seeing a guy, and I hope he doesn't listen to his podcast, um, because (laughs) this might um, pump up his ego a little bit. But we had some great sexy time, and uh, then COVID hit, and we, you know, called it quits. And for some reason, I was like, okay, uh, I guess it's now back to the toys, whatever. And all the porn is just geared toward men mostly. Like when I look for something like more soft porn or whatever, it just, it was, I don't know. It, there is some good stuff out there, but there's also some stuff I'm like, it's just too much. And also sometimes my eyes just really want to not look, um, but still have some stimulation and then just the sounds. I mean, you know, there's not much story. There's more like action and maybe a little bit of foreplay or a little bit of um, whatever sexy babysitter. Oh, I really need this job. And oh, can I touch you? Or can I, how can I keep my job? Can I just give you a blow job? Whatever. I'm like, oh, this is just not <laughs> sexy. You know, it's, I mean, it does the job at the same time. I was also just missing, or something was missing in that space. And um, I, there might be a stigma around just female stimulation or, you know, all that kind of realm and, Porn, I feel like it's more geared toward man. It's interesting you mentioned that because I mean, Mikey and I we we talked about this recently. Actually, um, remember that conversation, Mike? Um, if, give me a recall. Give me a little reminder. Yeah, we uh, about just well, like porn being kind of like male centric. It's not something I've really you know thought about too much. Probably just because I'm a man. But um, yeah, I wonder. Oh like we just like going a little deeper i mean because we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago but um you know just that it's like maybe we're just more visual creatures it's it's interesting uh it's not really a problem it's kind of a blind spot for me because i didn't think of that as uh a need or a problem necessarily yeah um it's funny it's funny that you know the way nessie puts it um out of all the porn I do watch, um, I do find myself gravitating towards more of a storyline. Um, I don't know why, but uh, maybe I'm the one outlier of a male that likes this. But um, I find that a storyline beat uh, is just a little bit more of a comedy and kind of um, builds it up a little bit. Um, but I do agree that um, porn is incredibly male-dominated and it's more of a um, – not just dominated in, in all sense of the word, but there's a bit of like a domination aspect that I feel like all porn has that women is, is like an object piece. When Nessie talks about toys, um, I can totally empathize with her, you know, uh, kind of distastefulness for, for kind of porn um, and the visuals of it. 
but to touch on her point about, you know, kind of like the noises um, and stuff like that, which I'm very curious to hear more about. Um, what I can't stand in porn is, is the, is the repetitive uh, moaning that you can just obviously tell that's fake. Right. Um, and, you know, you can tell when one is real and one is fake. And um, I personally am much more attracted to a very more authentic um, moan or orgasm as opposed to a fake, um, you know, moan such as in porn. Yeah, totally. I absolutely empathize with that. It's an, and it's, it, there's so much fake moaning out there um, for sure. Uh, and yeah, the storyline, it just, it's missing in a lot of ways. Uh, and I like did some research last year into uh, sexy or vodka or like some podcasts, and I found some, but they were all recorded in or uploaded in 2018, 2019, and you know, like I found three or four or five different ones. They give a little bit of a storyline. They actually tell things from a women's perspective, like oh, whatever. And then this this super hot guy with and then you know she like um the narrator gives some prescri uh, des describes the the person and describes the scene and describes why things are so hot and heavy and you know how she feels and it's like oh wow yeah i can empathize with that i can see myself being her and looking at this super hot man or whatever it was what she was talking about and um that's really where, where my idea kind of like started to take off a little bit. And um, I looked into some other like, sexy podcasts or whatever, and there's actually quite a lot out there. And last year there was quite a bit out there too. But most of them, it's more about like talking about sex or talking about the vagina or just some kind of topics, um, less the story behind it, less the audio version of a book or the audio version of a short story. And I think that's more what I would like to see and hear more of and maybe create one day. So this would be less, because I've heard podcasts where people talk about sex, they talk about relationships and, you know, just funny stories, but it's not like a consistent narrative from start to finish, like some, some like work of fiction, like, like with voice actors and that type of thing. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yes, exactly. That's more what I would want to hear and what I have listened to. And, you know, if there's one podcast and they have maybe nine episodes, there's just nine episodes, right? There's not a lot of variety. That's also like, do I want to hear this again? I kind of know what's going to happen at the end of the day. Um, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely something I think... Um, Maybe I need to do more research. Maybe there is more out there. I just haven't found it yet. That's possible too. Um, or there is really an opportunity to to create something amazing. And um, yeah, maybe this podcast now is kind of sparking some more movement toward um, doing something. Because also, you know, when I'm, um, I have recommended some of the sexy podcasts to some of my guy friends, but also to some of my lady friends. And um or girlfriends and it's um they were always like oh my gosh thank you so much for recommending this and then i was like thinking do men talk about porn do men talk about wow this one or you know this actor or this whatever is really good this producer is really good i don't know um but i think it's in a lot of ways a little bit of a taboo what do you guys think 
Um, I think guys talk about porn, in a, but in a much more different context, much more of a locker room, um, you know, conversation topic of, oh, did you see this or did you hear that? Of more of a mainstream piece because I feel like porn is more mainstream for males than it is for females. Um, so I guess that'd be my opinion. What, do you, what would you say, Sergey? Yeah, I don't know. I, I personally don't find myself talking about porn too much. It's always just felt kind of like personal, and it's like it's like why why would I want to talk about it? Really, I mean, more maybe like a not a clinical sense, but more just like a, a, you know, just just not necessarily like oh yeah, like this actress, she's great. You should check her out or something. You know, it's like um, <laughs> it's more just like oh, like what's porn doing to the brain? Is it good for you? Bad for you? And honestly, lately I've just, I've been, I like quit porn completely just because it just seemed, I don't know. There's, there's just like certain, it just feels so like unnatural and I feel like it's just not it's serving me anymore. Um, you know, I don't know how somehow it just feels like I've maybe come full circle. Cause I, I remember like when I was like a teenager, right? Like kind of like my first experiences with porn and then kind of like over the years, I don't think I've ever had like an issue with it per se, like, and I know like there's porn addictions, a real thing. And it's, you know, there, there's people who like go to really extreme lengths with all the cam girls and stuff. But, um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I mean, going back to the original question, it's not really something I talk about. And I think it's, it's honestly something lately I've been trying to just like cut out, you know, and, and just have more, more real interactions, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about real connections and real people. And at the same time, like last year, when COVID hit, there was not much um, of real connections out there. Or, you know, just no, yeah, you just, we were just not able to meet people in person. And um, I also had like a lot of time available all of a sudden from, you know, all the other things I used to do from going to A to B to Z, all of a sudden well, I can go on a walk. What am I doing with the rest of the weekend now? Um, yeah, but I'm so glad that the world is opening up a little bit, uh, even here in Germany right now. So <sighs> real connections can happen again. That's true. I guess, um, yeah, Mikey, sorry, that's how you're unmuting. Do you want to add something to that? No, I just, again, going back to the, I was curious kind of what um, more Nessie was referring to when you said you would send your friends these things. Um, was it like kind of like an audiobook where a narrator narrator would almost be like describing or like reading an erotic novel to them? Or would it be a role, like an actual male's voice and a female's voice, but from a very uh, female perspective? Um. The podcast that I found was 99% female perspective. Um, I'm just thinking if I've heard a male voice ever in one of those, maybe. But I definitely remember the female voices. Um, and so it's, it's more, more like, like a narrator. A narrator, right, telling a story, like telling how she is meeting up with a person she met online or um, – how she is sitting at a bar and then there's this uh, really good looking, uh, attractive person across from the bar and she's like having eye contact with him or she's at the grocery store. <laughs> oh gosh, that's another funny one. Um, at the grocery store packing um, her groceries and the, the person who helps her pack her groceries into her bag um, is just 
you know, so attractive and they keep making eye contact and, oh, her top opens up or her mini skirt is just like showing some of her butt or whatever. It's just, she just describes, yeah, an, um, uh, a situation that is, yeah, um, more or less realistic. I mean, you know, that her top opens up uh, in the middle of packing the groceries. I'm not sure it never happened to me. <laughs> but it's, you know, there's some exaggeration in there, but it's, it's it makes makes it fun and interesting. And um, last year, I also was on a lot, a lot of, you know, happy hour Zoom calls with friends. And we talked about toys, we talked about uh, just kind of all the things, but we, we talked about uh, those podcasts, just I think I was just like, oh yeah, I found a new podcast, and then I was, you know, sending them the link to it or whatever, and uh, they all appreciated it. So you would say that these stories are are quite relatable, and I think you already said realistic, um, but you would say that the the podcasts are very relatable to situations that you've been in yourself. Yeah, but you know, it's not really that my top or my my mini skirt is so mini that um, I show my butt. Um, I to say so there is some exaggeration, but yeah, it's it's yeah realistic. Also, one person was you know just uh, cheating on her husband. How he never has time for her and just whatever. Um, she what did she do? She uh, went to the dry cleaner and there's this hot guy and then they made out in the fitting room. Um, yeah, I mean realistic in the sense of this these situations could happen but probably won't in real life. Um, but it, it's, it's a, it was just fun to, to listen. Um, I think they are like seven or eight minutes, so quite short. But honestly, with a good toy, that's uh, all I need. And um, yeah, <laughs> maybe I should send you some links. There actually, there's, there's some good stuff out there. I love it. I would. Yeah, you should def- definitely send the links to the podcast. Um, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. No, from a from strictly from a selfish perspective, I would love to hear these scenarios and perspectives because, um, you know, the the I've read a book called The Male Brain and the Female Brain, and, and you know, very similar but yet so different. So if there's situations that I'm in um, that I'm completely overlooking, that you know, a female is uh, either looking in my direction or having some form of um, interest and stuff like that, I'd be very curious of how many missed opportunities, you know. Uh, us as males are missing out on because we're just, you know, obviously not in that in that wavelength of thinking. Whereas um, this podcast could, that you're sharing with could shine a lot of light on that. <laughs> you're so funny. It made me giggle quite a bit. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I'll just send it to you and you guys tell me in a few weeks what you guys think. How about that? Yeah, take it, take it from Mikey to make a uh, solely female-dominated podcast to make it about a male. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, this totally. is strictly for strictly for research purposes. Exactly, for sure. Exactly, for sure. Wait, wait, wait. I was gonna ask too about the the toys. Are there any like sites you recommend or or kinds of toys, or is that starting to get a little too personal? Oh, no. I mean, people hopefully don't know me. Uh, no, we can talk about that. Um, Adam and Eve is just uh, also all the podcasts. They are kind of connected or, you know, sponsored by Adam and Eve. Um, so that's why I have a few of them. 
Um, there's one great toy, I never thought it would be that powerful, um, called the Satisfier. I think Satisfier 2. It's great. Um, and a friend of mine, I guess his girlfriend works or is somehow connected to the Womanizer, but that's in Germany. I'm not sure if you can get that in, in the US. And it's, it, it works with, I don't even know, but it works great. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's many, many sites out there also here. Um, you know, I've been here now for a few months and seeing some so on TV. Sometimes I see, um, vibrators, uh, on commercials, like in the midday, you know, 6 PM, 4 PM, all of a sudden there's like a vibrator in, in the advertisement on TV. I'm like, Oh, okay. So uh, I think it's, it's picking up and it's getting less and less of a taboo. Um, but yeah, there's some Sounds good like stuff it. out there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think where the industry really, you know, moved toward, um, stimulating women and, and satisfying women. Um, and that's great. And there's then this missing part of, but okay, now we have this toy, but how about we also get some other things that will help us, um, get to a good point. Some of it's so much of it's so like sensory and also mental, right? It's, you know, toy is just physical, right? But you're, you're not hearing anything or you're not, uh, imagining things right like you can visualize a lot in your mind um totally yeah i think that's where audio really comes in that just helps get you in the mood and um yeah yeah i think an interesting thing i've heard about um <clears throat> women with toys is also there's no like um added pressure or um any necessary um, means to feel you just I guess it, what I'm trying to say is a, as a toy makes it, it's um, it's non-threatening and it, it's you can be comfortable as you are how you are um, you know and, and sound the way you want and wear what you want smell how you want you know just you're in a very comfortable state and I find that um, with in my experience with women and having, um, you know, there, it seems to be this, um, you know, there's a whole different level of comfortability of, you know, just being uncomfortable with, um, with each other and having that mental connection that really stimulates, um, a woman to have an orgasm. Whereas, you know, I'm thinking it's, I have to go this way or do this or do that with this or, or try that. And, um, and again, it's, it's something that if I feel like if more of our male listeners would just listen to, actually um you know put their ego away um and actually listen to more of of, of the females of of the, their relationships or whoever they're with um i think it'd go a long way um and also speaking from experience having um a woman bring up um bringing a toy into the bedroom even with me um which again can be incredibly threatening to a male's ego and i found that after having that experience um you know, at first I was a little hesitant and I was like, no, what do you mean? Like I, what, I can't do a good enough job and, and stuff like that. And, um, quickly learned that there's a bunch of various degrees of levels of orgasms for women. Um, whereas, you know, I, I believe there's a level of orgasms for males, but I think it's much different and more complex than, um, us guys can ever fathom. Wow. Yeah. So true. So true. And, um, I saw a, was it a meme or something on Instagram just like a couple of days ago where it said that um, 
if women use vibrators or whatever, they orgasm to 99% of the time. If they are with a guy, it's like 20% of the time. And if they are with another girl, 50% of the time. Um, and, you know, from experience, I can tell you, I faked a lot of orgasms before. Also, I didn't really, I guess I, like for the longest time, not the longest time, but for a while, I didn't really know how they feel or how that really works and whatever. And playing with toys, I now really know how how to get there and what I need, even if they are not in a bedroom, even if it's just with a guy. Um, and I think that comes with age, but also with just trying things, being a little more open to it. And um, I can also see how men may feel threatened by by toys and by, you know, it's like a competitor in a way. At the same time, it can be uh, s- such a great addition. And um, yeah, and you know, it's also okay to not always orgasm with a guy. I definitely say that. Um, and I've also had days where even with a vibrator, I didn't really get there. And that's okay, too. Um, and, yeah, I, I wish there was a little more openness to it, just in general. Because um, not every man I've been with tried, even tried to, you know, help me get there. Like not even, no, maybe like 20% of the guys, the rest didn't really care. That also says a lot about the guy. Um, or maybe also about their level of just not knowing how or thinking they know because everybody has always faked it with them and they were like just thinking, oh, I'm doing something right. It's a very complex uh, topic for sure. It's interesting how much of it comes down to the culture. Like you said, you know, people faking it and then kind of just not knowing or not being open about it, not talking about it. I guess, do you have any practical advice for any guys maybe listening or like how, how to incorporate toys or to, you know, maybe have the conversation with a woman or really gauge? Like, I mean, I think there's, I think we're starting to move in that direction. I don't think everyone's quite there yet, but I think, you know, sex is one of those things that's so, it drives so much of the world and, and in like subtle maybe ways, but you know, just things like it's just such a big part of, of what it means to be human. Right. And, um, it'd be great, you know, for if, if people enjoyed it more. Right. I mean, so I guess, is there practical advice that you can kind of think of like based on your experiences, based on your, what you've learned? Oh, um, dry humps are great. Um, no, that's a good question. What, um, I think if you are in a relationship, um, there is a way of spicing it up and just browsing through Adam and Eve or some other toy sites or even going to a sex store. I, I guess they're all open again. Um, and just trying something new. And um, I think it's important to also know your body um, to a certain degree and kind of know what you need and you know, if I now meet a guy and, you know, it, it's not something I would start right off like, oh, yeah, now we have sex and now I'll bring the toys in. But just have a conversation about it. Like, how do you feel about trying something new? And browsing together is, I think, a great thing to do. It's also like the idea of, oh, well, like in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll get a fun toy. Uh, there's something exciting about that that can even spice it up. Just the knowledge of it's going to arrive soon. 
Um, and just, I, th I think for women, it's also important to tell the guys like, hey, it's not because you're not sexy enough or this doesn't work with us. It's more like this is enhancing our experience and it helps me to actually orgasm and not just almost get there, but then all of a sudden we are not getting there. Because I think there's also, and what I've learned and still trying to learn, that there's multiple orgasms for, for women. Like there's the clitoral one, the vaginal one, and then there's like the squirting one. And I don't even know how this all works. I just know how <laughs> how it feels and what to do with toys at least to get there. But I think the vaginal one, that's definitely not one that I've experienced a lot. Um, so just to, you know, do a little bit of foreplay, a little bit of in and out, it's, that's not doing it. I can tell you that. So there, there's much more involved and, um, yeah, much more that just goes into it. Yeah. From my experience and Nessie, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Um, and I think it's a common misconception that, um, strictly penetration and intercourse sex is the way to get a woman off. And I've found that, um, and statistically speaking, I've, I've looked it up and talked to the various friends. Um, but they've said 70% of the time a woman gets off with a male, it is due to either oral or non, um, um, penetrative, um, interaction or basically non-penetration sex. And what I've found is, there's a lack of consideration around, like you're saying, um, the guys would maybe you get off 20%, whether that's speaking to who the guy is or their experience with it. Um, but again, I think porn does that to um, just males who in that generation of like, well, it's all about you. Um, she is kind of in essence your sex slave and it's about you. And when you get off, that is when it is done. Um and, and coming from relationships where I've had, you know, girlfriends either have multiple or just one orgasm. Um, and the ways to get there are few and far between and, and not one's the same that I've discovered. And there's, there's commonalities between that. But um, I find that the, the more that you, I guess, for lack of a better word, tease them and keep them wanting it more for, I feel like males, you know, if you even hint at having sex, or if you say, go lock the door, their pants are off and they're already trying to go inside you. And it kind of kills that mental connection that I feel is so important for women. And I've found that if you just consider them and, and let them kind of come to you, because I feel like so many males um, push women, like good women out of their lives or in the opposite direction. Um, you know, not intentionally, but just because they don't know better. And um, I find that majority of the guys won't even go down on girls. I've talked to my friends like, oh, I just don't do that. And coming from someone who not only does that, but thoroughly enjoys doing it, um, I find the response mechanism to not only considering them and letting them come to me when they want to do it and not rushing into it, but then considering them in that way and reciprocating in that way um, – Eventually, by the time we end up having sex, it is, it is actually very quickly she is at that point um, of climaxing, and not all the time. I mean, you're you're talking to a guy that's failed multiple, multiple, multiple times. Um, but I find that if you do kind of more of those things, in my experience, and feel free to pull codes in this, Nessie, um, you, you'll have more success. 
Oh, absolutely. It's all about the foreplay. It's all about, you know, also trust and communication. And then also about, um, my, so um, at, at college, I took this human sexuality class. Oh my gosh, learned so much. And um, there, the, uh, our professor said that every, like foreplay starts at the second you stop climaxing. So, you know, the next foreplay for the next, or, or maybe or the second after you have sex. But um, it basically just says that the foreplay is not, not just the 20 minutes or the 10 minutes or whatever, um, how many minutes you want to uh, do that. But it's really from the time you were last together with that person until the next time you actually have sex, that's the foreplay. Like, may it be 24 hours, may it be a week, may it be a month, who knows. Um, but there goes so much into it. And yes, you can absolutely with like a message, a cute, sexy, hot message here and there, the, the door closing or um, just also, you know, sending like a cute or hot selfie from work or, you know, I mean, you know, got to be a little discreet. But um, there are some things that you can absolutely do as a man, but also as a female to um, to just keep the spice alive and make things interesting, make things, uh, yeah, make the other person feel attractive, make the other person feel valued and, 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 uh, yeah, that you, you really care about this person and you want this person to be happy, but also feel sexy for sure. And, um, I also like that you said, uh, if you just waited a little bit, then things went so much better. And absolutely, there was, oh gosh, this one boyfriend. We, I think we didn't have sex for like the first three or four months. And month three, I told a girlfriend of mine, I'm like, I don't know if something is wrong with me, but you know, we had the opportunity a couple times to have sex, but nothing happened. We were, you know, playing around a little bit. Okay. But nothing happened. I'm not sure what's going on. Is it me? Is, is there something wrong with him? I, I don't know. And then whatever, two, three, four weeks later, uh, we went on a trip um, with some other friends and um, had a room to ourselves. And all of a sudden it happened and it was just so magical. And I'll always remember the first time with that guy because um, it was just so good. And it, I think the anticipation and the yeah, that, that whole buildup was just so strong, and then it—it's just—it was a—it was really good. Um, and there is also, yeah, but also the trust has really—you know—we started to have really good trust. We we really communicated well about other things, never really about sex, but once it happened, it was uh, also we also communicated about that. And um, I still don't know why we or he waited so long because I think could have happened earlier um at the same time I think that's probably also what he learned that you know if you just give it a little time make sure the trust is there make sure we really like each other then um it can just be so much better it's interesting you mentioned the time as being part of it I guess do you have a typical time frame that you like to wait or is it more by how you feel? Is there a minimum? Is there like, you know, maximum? Because it sounds like a few months is kind of a long time. I mean, is there, I assume after some point, <laughs> you would just say, you know, this is too long to wait. Right. And that was three, four months. I mean, you know, 
that was long. At the same time, it was absolutely worth it. Um, after that relationship, I mostly met people on, on a dating app. And I'd say maybe date five. So I, I don't do the th date three rule or whatever is out there. I don't know. Um, but either when it just feels right or, you know, by date five, I also know if I really want to be with this person or not. Because um, I think that also plays into it. And I know for myself, it takes some time to, to build trust. It takes some time to really know if I like this person and if there is some uh, commonalities and, and things or things we have in common. Um, and it also, you know, if I, if I want sex and if I want a one-night stand, it's not so hard to do that, I think, as a woman, I think. Um, what I've heard is that guys have a harder time uh, finding a one-night stand if it's on a dating on a dating app, but I'm, you know, could be wrong about that. And um, but if I'm more looking for a relationship, then I also would want a guy who can wait and who puts me first and not my sexual organs, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I, it's not really a test, but it's also just I want to make sure. Yeah, that I'm not just uh, that I'm not just for their sexual pleasure, but actually that they really like me, and yeah, because you know guys can can sweet talk a lot, and then at the end of the day leave. Um, so I think it's just important that that I know that that I'm seen more than just for sex, but also for at least a relationship or at least some kind of dating experience. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I guess like, I, I wonder for, so no, like you don't, it sounds like you don't do casual hookups then. I have, uh, now with COVID, it's a little complicated. Um, as <laughs> I said, I've been in, in Germany for a few months now and, um, we had another lockdown and, uh, you know, how much do I trust people with COVID? That's another question. Um, and how they behave. Um, but I, I definitely have. I mean, you know, we, we've met a clear league before. You know, there it's lots of people casually hook up. And that's okay too. And sometimes I'm, I am I want that and I don't want more. Or with certain guys, I don't want more. You know, there's some people I'm like, yeah, if I really, really am feeling super thirsty, I might just call that one person. I think you may know this person too, but I'm, I'm not going to go into that now. But I just know if, if I want fun, I can call him and something will happen. Um, sure, at the same time, um, there are other times where I, I rather want a boyfriend or I rather want to you know, have this dating experience and just see where it goes. And that's fine too. Um, it, it, I do feel like that it depends a little bit on how or in what kind of situation I am. You know, when I went when I went to college, there was like whatever. Now I'm a little older, um, and I'm sure if something casual happens, it's great. But also, it's uh, I do rather want a real relationship that goes somewhere. It's interesting. It's it's great that um, we have a bit of a cultural difference here because I feel like. Um, you know, in Germany, but also just overall in Europe, 
sex is a you know you guys have a much more liberal perspective and approach to it where i feel like in the u.s it's it's a lot more conservative um and not really as freely talked about or discussed openly um but i mean going back to kind of what you were saying about the three months with this guy um do you find that um there's a bit of a um you know, a, a social standard or maybe it's just standard across the board for the male to make the first move. Um, and, and coming from, you know, being in both situations where the girl has made the first move and I've obviously made the first move, um, I actually rather enjoy it when a girl takes charge. And in this world of, um, you know, a, a massive wave of female empowerment and more, you know, equal paying jobs, all these things are happening that I feel like it's it's great. I feel like maybe there's um, – do you find, Essie, that it's still true that, you know, when you're on a date that you want the guy to take charge? Um, or do you find that it's, you know, do you find yourself taking charge and making the move um, the first time? Oh, gosh, that's such an interesting question. And I can definitely say that both has happened before. Like I've absolutely also taken charge before. And that usually <laughs> when – badly for me most of the time um because i think for the guys it felt like at least with those couple guys that are in my mind right now um it felt a little bit threatening and a little bit um like and they ended up maybe feeling chased or hunted <laughs> um and uh pulled away so um and from that experience, I have started to, you know, then also take that feedback and be like, why? But I think they were just a little more reserved from the beginning or a little more um, maybe dating a ton of other girls too. I'm not sure. And for some reason, they, they gave me that vibe that they were with a, with a few others, let's say like that. And they were just out for sex. And when I then... Um, you know, hooked up with them, it felt like they were pulling away because from my perspective, they got what they wanted. And um, that made me then start to be a little more, you know, like waiting five dates or so until we would really hook up. You know, maybe we would like touch each other a little bit or uh, have some heavy kissing and stuff, but not really going much, much further. Um, cause I have, and it, it's not a manipulation thing. It's more a, me wanting to feel comfortable and be ready and also not feel like I'm just one of a bunch, if that makes sense. And, um, the waiting has, so I'm not sure. So I, I also read the male and the female brain and it has, helped me also understand that guys seem to want to make the first move, but then also want reciprocation. Is that the right word? Um, And, you know, so for example, there's also always this thing with like who pays and I have no problem with paying for the whole date or paying my share of my half. But I think it's, it's always like the question, does the guy want to provide or is that more a biological thing that guys want to pay, that guys want to um, make the first move? And I've spoken to some of um, my guy friends as well, and some were saying, 
Sam, we're saying something interesting. Like one person I remember who also goes to Clear Lake frequently, he said that, no, I want to pay for a date or for the first date for sure. Later on, it's fine if we split or if the girl pays for it or, you know, if we go to the movie, the girl pays for popcorn, I pay for the tickets, great. But for the first date, I want to pay for it because you girls put so much time and effort into looking pretty, you know, making your hair, doing your, getting your nails done, putting on some clothes and probably spending time like hours in front of the mirror to just get ready for the date we guys you know we put like some maybe some something in our hair put like jeans on and a shirt and that's it um and he kind of wants to i guess uh kind of just pay for the time that the girl may put into getting ready um so i thought it was a really interesting perspective and i felt that when i lean back a little bit and be more in my feminine role or in my, you know, take on my feminine side, then the guys have more space to tap into their more masculine biological side. Um, and that's just been my experience. I mean, I'm not an expert either, but that's just what I can tell you for now. There's, uh, there's that quote that you reminded me of everything in life is about sex except for sex sex is about power does that ring true sex is about power tell me more about it i don't know it's it's uh so we 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 talked a little bit kind of in the pre-show i guess about kind of my (laughs) my date that i had last night first date and um we'd actually met saturday kind of just out um and, um, you know, we, we connected and I think just really early on, she mentioned that she really liked dominant guys and like being, feeling like she was like being dominated. So, you know, and, and there's, there's like a part of me that's like into that, but also, I also know culturally we're kind of, you know, we had the whole me too thing, women's empowerment, you know, and, and you know, making sure that you get consent for things. So I'm, I want to, I guess, figure out that, that balance between kind of like this animal biological savage side that we have. And then also, you know, how do we also communicate in this higher way that we've evolved to and that society has evolved kind of towards, right. Where it's, it's a little bit safer and um, especially for women, right. Um, that's kind of like where I'm, where I'm coming at it from. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about the date or just how, how that made you feel that you knew that she was, I guess, expecting or anticipating a little more power from you? I mean, it was a little confusing to be honest. And, um, and (laughs) confusion can be frustrating, um, because on the one hand, she was telling me that she doesn't you know, like to have sex on the first date or just uh, doesn't at all. Um, and then, but then at the same time, tell me how she likes when the guy takes control. And so it, yeah, to me, I was like, okay, is that, is that code for something? Like, you know, cause I, I could kind of see where, you know, it's, it's like, you know, maybe the fantasy is just being like so overcome and just so in the moment. I definitely, it was, it was pretty intense. And I don't know if this is just from like getting back out there and like into the whole dating world or whatever, or, um, cause 
you know, we decided to get high and, and just, you know, fool around. Um, but definitely had some like almost like out of body experiences. Um, and so that, that, I mean, that was, that was just like a lot to process. And then like, I was kind of in that state. I was like, uh, do I push it? Do I not? And, um, just, you know, obviously it ultimately decided not to, which I think was the right call. But, um, I don't know. I wonder, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, like from your perspective, if you ever done that kind of saying like, as like a, as like a test and like, in like a fun kind of playful way, um, versus being just like dead clear all the time, you know, cause I think that can, um, you know, as, as, as good as it is to like be a clear, um, communicator, I, I do think there is some fun and like the ambiguity and the chase and like the mystery and like, you know, what does this mean? Is that, you know, is this, is this an invitation or is this, uh, you know, like you pulling back, like there's, there's like a, a, almost like a dance that we do, um, that that's exciting and sort of fun. Oh, that's so funny that you just said the word ambiguity, because that's exactly what, um, what pops up in my mind. Um, I, it's such a, it, it is so ambiguous and that's just really what it comes down to. And I think a lot has to do with just energy and chemistry as well, because there's like a lot of things that are electricity, you know, that is between two people and it is a dance. And I think it's, it's really hard and especially now with a, a more open world again, um, to find that sweet spot of um doing enough but not too much but you know just finding that that point where it's like okay this is exactly what to do and in your situation it, i understand how that can be really really confusing when she says she likes to be dominated but like in what and then you know a question that pops up in my mind in what way like does she just want you to take charge does she want you to tell her what to do in terms of now you go there now you you know Does, does she just want you to do all the planning in terms of the date? Um, super curious to see how and where this goes and if you guys decide to have another date. Um, and also, yeah, does she want a dominant, dominant um, person in a bedroom? I, I don't know. And I think that's maybe things that went through your head as well. Um, and I think I, I, like with this one person that, we both may know um clearly like i he knows that more than sex won't ever happen and if it's also just the energy he puts out when i'm around him or just when i perceive him it's just i would never be interested in something more than that so i've definitely but i've definitely like been really clear about that with him but i don't think he would ever want a relationship with me i don't think we are on that level um And at the same time, that can also put the whole mystery and the whole ambiguity out, which is good and bad. You know, it, it's nice. I always knew I could just call him and I'm sure he'd be up for some fun. And he has been. And at the same time, it, it's also kind of like, I know what to expect. It's going to work. It's going to happen. And then I'm going to go home and things are just, you know, it's fine. Um, and I think the whole chase or the whole dance um that's just way more exciting for me and and just getting to know a person and if 
you know, to see how, how things go and learn with and from the person, it's just way more exciting. And I do know that I'm not always 100% clear what I want either, but I think it's, it's, you know, something that I know over time after a few dates where I'm like, oh no, wow, I really like this person. Or, you know, a lot of times it's also like, mm, I don't think so. There's something off. There's something that we don't click on. And then it's, you know, smarter to just listen to your gut or listen to my gut and be like, okay, I think up until here and not further than that because I just know that I'm not going to develop feelings or that I'm not going to be more attracted to this person. This is just it. It's funny you mentioned the, uh, the, the sort of the chase and, and the ambiguity of it. It's like on the one hand, you want some predictability and sort of like, you know, knowing what to expect and, you know, you, you, it's good to know, it takes time to get to know someone, right? Like, and you get to know them because you want to make sure that they're safe and they're not going to hurt you. Right. Um, on the other hand though, it's, it's nice to have a little bit of that like unpredictability and not really knowing which way something's going to go. You kind of need that yin and yang. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, um, yeah, it, there, there's, there's definitely some kind of something to be said about like striking that balance between the two. Um, I guess I wonder like too, because one thing I was thinking about also is like at, from a guy's perspective, I think a lot of guys, you know, there's, there's like this weird game we play, right. Where it's like, you know, let's, let's just say guys typically don't mind having sex sooner. Right. It was just for just on average. Um, you know, so like they'd be happy to, you know, do it sooner, but you know, girls make them wait. Well, part of the reason why I think is because I think a lot of guys probably don't feel like they respect girls as much or women. If they, um, if they don't, if like they, if they, I guess like put out on the first date or something or the first night, whatever. Um, which is, which is odd, right? Because then it, it kind of, that it sort of backfires, right? It's like, you, you then that sort of creates this dynamic. Um, and there's so much of that, like that goes into courtship and a relationship and layers of like culture. And, you know, it's probably different, uh, you know, just in different parts of the U S or different parts of the world, like Germany. Um, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if you've noticed any of that, like are those sort of differences and just you not being like originally from the U S and then like having to adjust. Oh, Oh my goodness. That's, that's a whole Pandora box right there. Um, yeah, cultural differences are big. Also, like, you know, how we've all been brought up by our parents, uh, another thing, or how and what kind of relationships we've had in the past. Absolutely, there's so much that plays into it. And before I go into that Pandora box with uh, cultures, um, let's, uh, I want to speak about the, um, what was it, what we were just talking about before? Um, the courtship, First, yeah, and trust, yep. yeah, oh, it's so important. Um, I know that, you know, like now going back to sex, like I can just be so much more open and, and feel so much more, like so, so much better and easier about it all if I can really trust a person. And I think it's it's little things, you know, even if in a committed relationship that can keep things alive, that, you know, 
have some dates go I mean with COVID go on nice walks or whatever or just and, and keep the spark alive in in different ways and also not really keep each other guessing but at the same but more like um keep you know don't be 24 7 with each other but also give each other some space to hang out with girlfriends boyfriends you know or, you know guy friends i guess um and the whole courtship is fun but i also think that being in a in a relationship with like a person you really love and have so much fun with is is so great as well if it really is a good match and if it fits well in there you don't want to be you want to you don't want to keep or i don't want to keep guessing all the time what is this person doing at the same time if there's trust and i know this person is not gonna hurt me and um things can just be a lot of fun too now okay cultures oh boy um and i i can tell you an experience that hit me really really hard um i was with a guy oh gosh maybe like 10 years ago i moved to california and so i had i was with a another guy when i lived in maryland i was there for a year and we whatever dated for five six seven months great relationship but then you know he we parted ways he moved to hawaii and japan and whatever and i knew i'll be in california so it just didn't make sense to keep it uh, to keep it going and I also wasn't really ready for something long term and so um, I met after a couple months or whatever in in San Francisco met a guy and really really liked him I think the first time we met like that night we had like five times sex it was great um, it was a, a good night and it just we kept like you know the f full thing with friends with benefits I knew all his friends he knew some of my friends and one of our mutual friends always told me, yeah, he's good for a while. He's a good boyfriend for a while and whatever. And at the same time, we were never girlfriend and boyfriend. So the first three or four months, um, we went to, you know, I stayed at his place a lot of times and we went to a lot of parties and also did some more coupley things, you know, went to the beach together and just the whole nine yards. It was good. And then all of a sudden he, and that's something that I had to learn with exclusivity. He's like, hey, I want to be exclusive with you. Like, I don't want us to date other people. I'm, I'm ready to just date you. And I'm like, okay, like the last three, four months, whatever, I've only dated you, just want to be clear. And, you know, I was really confused what he meant with, like, let's be exclusive. At the same time, I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, nothing is going to change for me. Um, and he's like, you know, same thing. Like I've not dated anyone, but I just want to have this talk now and be clear about it. We are not boyfriend and girlfriend, but let's be exclusive. I'm like, okay, sure. And it, it, you know, we were together for another six, seven months. It was great. Like no problems at all. Then I started college and, you know, met some new people, you know, cause my, um, my circle of people just expanded and yeah, I got to know some really nice ones. And then we were still not together. And I feel like I held back a lot of times in terms of telling him how I'm feeling or telling him how my day was. I didn't feel safe anymore. And um, I told him like, hey, I'm, I'm just feeling like uncertain about us. And it's, it's weird. And I'd, I 
am ready for a relationship. Maybe with you or maybe with someone else. You know, kind of, I don't care so much, you know, if this wasn't whatever, if his name is Tim or Tom. At the same time, I, th I think I'm ready and what we are doing isn't serving me anymore because I'm not feeling safe. I'm not, yeah, I just don't feel like I can speak with him about things that I would want to speak about with a boyfriend. And um, it ended up just being really weird. And I think what I have learned, and so, you know, I'm whatever, two, three months later, we broke up. And what I've learned was that in the US, there is this, um, exclusivity and then if things go well you move into boyfriend and girlfriend and that is kind of the precursor or the, the pre-step to um, a proposal so that's what I have learned in terms of you know let's be exclusive let's not date others until we meet someone else we are not actively looking at the same time if something else comes around that's then we just break up um, versus, for example, in Germany, and I think a few other European countries at least, um, you you know go on two, three, four dates, and then the first date that it's just the two of you, because a lot of times those first few dates you are with like a friend group. You know, you meet someone at a bar, at a club, whatever. Oh, let's you know we'll do the same thing next week again. Just hang out with us. So you meet again, and then the first time you have a one-on-one -on -one date, maybe like three, four, five. That's like number or the meeting three, three, four, five. You have your first date and then you are, if it works well, you are in a relationship. You are together. You may or may not say it out loud, but you just are together. And from that point on, you are in a relationship. You give it a shot. Sometimes it lasts for three weeks, sometimes six weeks, sometimes 12 years and no engagement, no marriage. And then you just break up. But what, what I like about it in a way is that you you give it a shot, you know, you, you try it out. And if you keep liking each other, keep loving each other and it keeps working out, then you are just in a, in a relationship. Sure, long term. And, you know, sometimes obviously they can break up, too. And after 12 years, I think that's sometimes really hard as well, because back, you know, when you're like 18, 19 and you start this relationship, who knows if you really want to marry each other in 12 years but there's something nice about it where you're just focusing on each other and nourishing that relationship and that's just very different in the US and that's where I also started not doing exclusivity anymore like either we are girlfriend and boyfriend or we are just nothing um, because I did not like the idea of being exclusive until we meet someone else so that's my Pandora box. Like, yeah, let's you chime in on that one. I feel like uh, I took up a lot with my my date questions. No, it's um, super refreshing and nice to hear your perspective on it. Um, fun monogamy is, is um, you know, I've seen <clears throat> two people that I could swear were meant to be with each other forever. Um, and I've seen couples that I don't know why they're together at all. Um, again, there's things that we don't know, you know, outside looking in, but I feel like monogamy in, in itself is, um, in a bit way, not natural. Um, cause I mean, like I've had this conversation with girlfriends in the past and, 
and and stuff like that where you know um I used to get in trouble if I was staring at a girl or something like that. And I've also had girlfriends where they're like, it's okay to look. I mean, we're human. It's fine. And it's okay. Um, and Sergey did a whole concept at one point. It's for a later time. But what does it mean to be human? Um, but I think one of those traits is monogamy is, is, is not, I feel like, one of them. And I feel like when people have these like polyamorous relationships, it's kind of them tapping back into kind of like the natural way of things. Um, if you look at the animal kingdom, you know, there's very few animals that made for life um, and, and, and so on and so forth, you know, going down that path and perpetuating that, that point um, and hearing your perspective being, you know, from a different culture and how I feel like it's much more, you know, of a liberal conversation where it's okay. We can, we can be casual hookups or as what we call, the states, um, fuck buddies, you know, whatever that may be, um, until you find someone, I guess, for lack of a word, better or more of a deeper connection with. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious to. Do you think that monogamy overall is a is something that is better, or do you find that? I guess I think you said earlier that there's there's good pros and cons for both, but do you find yourself happier in a relationship or um find yourself you know more happy kind of playing the field so to speak uh absolutely depends like i love being single and just uh you know date around and and stuff um i also love being with someone who i really really like and, and love like you know being friends but also being a partner and being equals um and the monogamy thing that's uh, that's such an interesting thing cuz when i've when i was in committed relationships and things you know worked well and i thought like hey this is it for me i mean obviously it didn't right now i'm single um, and really really was into this person could could see myself marrying this person perhaps and whatever there was also this question about it like what if he wants to also experience other girls or what if you know like it's so weird i think once i feel trusted and i feel valued and and just being completely with a person and love this person for some reason and i'm i'm still exploring this but then with two boyfriends that i you know really really loved I had those moments of thinking, hey, I, I think I wouldn't mind if we if we keep this like a relationship, being committed to each other, but also perhaps have some other experiences. Um, I have brought it up with one, um, but just kind of casually thinking about it, like, you know, what are your thoughts about being with other girls too, or what and um, at the end of the day, we just talked about it, but it never went anywhere. And then later on, it didn't even matter anymore. We just, you know, um, kept the relationship alive for a while longer, but then broke up because of other things. Um, but there is something that that's interesting about the idea. And at the same time, at the beginning or when I'm in a committed relationship for a while, I don't think I want to share. <laughs> like, I don't. I, I need to build a, or I need to have a lot of trust and there needs to be a lot of like trust built before I 
am open to that kind of thing. But I'm I'm absolutely not against it because um, I think it can keep things alive and. And I know I need the trust level to be super high before I would ever, you know, kiss or make out or have sex with someone else. And at the same time, until I'd be ready for this, for my partner to to experience it with other girls or women. Um, yeah, so and with the animal kingdom, whatever it is, you know, there, there is some animals and I don't even remember what kind of animals but they have like three or four men or male animals that tend or that all kind of tend to the woman and then there's or the, the, the female and then there's other animals that are monogamous and there are others that are just together for mating and then they won't ever see each other again so I don't even know where humans fall into Although I do think because of trust and because of jealousy and because of our complex minds, the idea of monogamy is somewhat a little more natural, maybe. But yeah, I don't know if I could be full on with a ton of people and would be full on okay with my partner being with a lot of people. You know, and there's some kind of stability and trust that I just need. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the I can send you one really good video I like that breaks this down about monogamy. And there's some interesting points in there. One one thing that I think would be interesting uh, just to talk about, uh, or just one little fact, I guess, is that uh, animals that are like, like so primates that are more uh, monogamous tend to actually be less uh, differentiated gender-wise. So the males and the females tend to be similar in size. Whereas, you know, uh, like, so there'd be like gibbons, but gorillas, where it's one male and then like a harem of females, tends to be much more asymmetrical. Like males tend to be a lot bigger. And so the question then kind of arises of what are humans then, right? Like naturally, because clearly most men on average are bigger, but is it a big enough difference, right? It's not like gorillas were like moat, like they're just it's a massive differential. Um, so I think what they kind of settled on was like humans are generally monogamous, but with some infidelity is, is kind of what they came away with. And um, it seems about right. I think, but I think the challenge is like right now we live in such an unnatural world. You know, you meet like you, every day you pass more people than you most people met in their entire lifetime for most of human history, right? Just because they wouldn't, they'd stay within the tribe. So, you know, it was a little bit, um, things like jealousy and, you know, the certain courtship or, or things that we kind of look for in a partner or just a hookup or a mate, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's, they don't necessarily apply, right. Or, or, you know, stuff that we maybe try to do is sort of artificial, right? Creating these, these rules of, you know, this person needs to pay for the date or, you know, you need to wait X amount of time. It, it feels kind of just like a construct in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, then those constructs can be helpful, right? So it can be kind of helpful to say, okay, this is the rule of thumb. This is what this means. Because otherwise you're just going out there and trying to like figure everything out. Everyone's just figuring it out for themselves and, bring in whatever traumas or past or, or culture 
into their relationships and into and and doing it in a completely unconscious way. Um, so it's so it's a fascinating subject to me because there's so many levels to look at it and so many different angles. Um, wish wish there was a question in there, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll open up to you guys. I mean, as far as the biology or social sociology of of courtship, I mean. I guess my, my personal opinion on the monogamy thing is I think it's, it's, I will make it work one day for a family. Um, you know, I think that's, that's important to me. I don't think I'm looking for that yet, but, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm, it's one of those things where like I, my eyes are open for it. Right. And kind of, I'm learning still. It's all, I always treat every day as kind of a learning experience. Like what do I vibe with? What, how did that make me feel or, you know, what does this mean? It's, it's, you know, especially now after COVID, it's weird getting back out there and like trying to, you know, <laughs> read, read, uh, women again, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Um, the point on the monogamy piece, um, and I, I can't take credit for this as much as I want to. Um, but this was a beautiful conversation. David, uh, Ernst and I had at, um, tomorrow people gathered in Minnesota and we're sitting around a table eating some delicious Indian food. And we had this conversation around monogamy and kind of what it meant and, and why it was even created. Um, if you guys aren't familiar, if you are, forgive me. But monogamy was created back in the day with kings and queens um, solely for the uh, – so the king knew um, that uh, whoever he was with was actually biologically his son. And it had to do – when you say like there's power in sex, Sergey, back when you said that comment, there's some truth to that uh, where monogamy originally created because it was due to a king wanting to know exactly um, that his biological son would be receiving his heir or his inheritance. Um, so it's interesting that that's kind of where it came from. Monogamy has only really been around for a couple hundred years and um, – the whole piece being, I guess, around what, what David had can encapsulate around is that um, – and I kind of touched on a little bit that it's very not natural, at least to me um, in, in some aspects. And don't get me wrong. I've been in relationships that I've, I've felt the exact same way like you felt, Nessie, that this person's the one for me all the time um, in that moment, right? Um, but going back to what you said even further, Nessie, about how people are um, ever-changing and, and constantly in ebbs and flows of this life. And so – they may be perfect for you in that moment. Um, however, I find that, and again, there's a great Netflix special on a chef who reminded me of my grandfather at the time, but he said something that when you're with someone at, at your peak of, of kind of like the connective uh, beneficial happiness moment, uh, for lack of a better word, and that was a bit of a cluster, um, but, but when you're in your best moment with them. It's, and it's hard to find that out, right? Because you kind of need a bit of a downward slope to, to know when it was the best. Um, is that it's, it's at that point that you should leave that person because it, it cannot get better from there. And, and it's interesting because after hearing David's comment about the reason monogamy was created and kind of how I feel, you know, there's cultures of cheating and um, even some couples stick together you know, maybe due to financial reasons or whatever kind of, you know, whatever laws and parameters there are around it. Um, but now you see couples even doing swinger parties. I mean, if you, it's kind of all around us. I don't really feel monogamy is really natural. And I think there's parts of it that are like very, very kind of um, uncomfortable in a way as far as even the sanctity of marriage where, okay, you really like this person, 
um, let's put a binding contract that you two thou shall be together till death to you part. Um, and kind of just even making putting those pressures on a relationship, I feel it can even destroy it. Um, and again, I you know f- being a relationship relationship guy myself, and, and being in multiple relationships and not being in relationships, seeing both sides of the coin, um, and and just kind of hearing you know David's perspective on that and kind of where it came from, it makes me kind of question, um, you know, why you know, are the human race is so geared towards monogamy. And I guess I can now understand where it came from. Um, and maybe from an overall societal construct too, maybe it's easier to control, um, you know, people if, if they're in pairs, maybe it's a, maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's um, uh, evolutionary thing. I don't know. But um, it's with, with knowing that I've found that I've, I've kind of wrestled in my head a little bit with monogamy and really like, is it for humans um, or is this something that kind of was just created? And just like the Bible, maybe we haven't like addressed the new realities and maybe there's some pieces that we haven't like um, looked at, you know, with full transparency. And I think monogamy is, you know, definitely one of those for me. Oh, so interesting. And what this just brings up too, and I want to bring attention to is that, um, you know, I, I think we three all three of us are cisgendered and we are attracted to the opposite sex or the opposite gender and then i'm also you know just with monogamy then also questioning um but how is it for 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 the lgbtq community you know like do they also feel that they want to be monogamous or not and because naturally you know for us to to have offspring we need a male and a female um and then they are, yeah, that's just, oh God, it's such a complex um, topic and happy Pride Month. Uh, it's June, right? Yes. So I, I don't happy even Pride know month. Pride Month, yeah, today, this week, this month. Um, so it's really, I don't know if we are supposed to be monogamous. I don't know if we're supposed to be polyamorous, but it's, I, I think the idea of the king and the queen and offspring and, making yeah having some power over someone in a maybe psychological way maybe a biological way or you know offspring in uh, in ter- in the interest of offspring really good question i don't know i don't know what we are supposed to be but i know we can choose and if we are communicating with our partner and finding someone who is either cool with what we want or wants the same thing in terms of Yes, let's be committed and also have an open relationship. You know, things like that absolutely happening in for a lot of people. But also there's a lot, a lot of people who really just want to be with this one person and not have any outside relationships. And that's okay too. And I think it's it's so complex. And for me, it's also... It depends on who the other person is and how, how I feel around this person and what I, I guess, what I want this other person to perhaps experience or what, you know, it, it's, it's just so complex. But I've definitely also was with guys before where I was like, oh, I don't want this person to be with others because I probably didn't feel trusted enough and safe enough so that you know i uh, it felt like a risk 
you know, that this person might just say bye to me. Does that make sense? So uh, it's so complex and I, I, I don't know what's, what's the real deal. I, and I don't know what my life will bring and where I'll end up. Um, and one other thing that I've been really open about it, about, um, I, so in case I ever want kids, I have not made the decision yet. And I will have a few years to think about that, like in terms of biological kids. Um, but in case there is this really like need, want or whatever, I'd absolutely be open to, um, finding a couple preferably a gay couple and moving in with them, you know, buying a house, the three of us and having a kid with, with them and just making it a really fun, um, different experience and how much I would love to, you know, give them the joy of being a dad or maybe even two kids and both could be the dad. Um, and, and just, you know, thinking completely out of the box if I happen to not find uh, just a man that I would want to have kids with, that I totally want to give them the joy and have that, you know, like benefit, like the, that all three of us benefit from that kind of friendship, relationship, whatever you want to call it. But that's just a side note. I do actually think I remember us talking about this now uh way back when yeah i think it's you know it really does come down to kind of whatever works in a way i think it we're at an interesting time so societally socially right because something like that is is an arrangement that you know whatever 50 years ago parents or even parents generation grandparents generations would have been very stigmatized right um so how oh, do we build something sure right? Like it's, it's, you know, it would have been unheard of nowadays. It's like, I think a lot more people be accepting or understanding at least and open to that idea, even if it's not for them. And I think that's part of what like, you know, a happy pride month again. Right. But it's, it's like acceptance or, or inclusion, right. It's, it's, you know, it's understanding there are different ways of kind of live different lifestyles or, um, different things that just work relationship wise, you know, like it's all, you know, it's all, um, you know, every, everyone's different, but I also think that that does the challenge there then is like, you know, you don't have these, uh, a blueprint necessarily, which I guess could be exciting in, in some ways, kind of defining some of those or, or trying new things. Um, but it can also be a little scary, right? If you, if you're just going into the unknown and it's just like, there's, there's just fewer things to go off of, but I will say this. I don't think I know very many like happy couple, like couples that I would be like, Oh, I want to emulate that. Like, <laughs> you know, I can't, can't really look to my parents, right. Cause they're divorced or grandparents all got divorced. Um, you know, so it's, it's, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's probably worth noting. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I definitely know couples that, are just meant for each other at least on the outside and as far as I know on the inside as well and I think they may live together forever and yeah I also know couples where I'd be like oh yeah this may last another few years maybe but not sure if they'll make it and that's okay too I think 
that's the beauty, but also a challenge of the human mind, of the human heart and soul. And now, yeah, it's so easy to cheat. It's so easy to meet other people. You know, it's all right out there. Yeah, back in the day, you know, you met, I think we, we mentioned it earlier, one of you did, um, We people met maybe <laughs> 30 people in their town or in their little neighborhood or in their school. And, you know, you cannot marry one of those and live with them forever because divorcing was a taboo and you you know, maybe maybe because of the church because of the neighbors and oh you might be judged it's it's really difficult and the beauty now also is there are so many opportunities and possibilities that like even yeah the idea of me being with a an amazing gay couple and having their tr dream come true of having bi a biological kid or maybe two, whatever might be a possibility. Um, and I've actually gotten the idea um, from a German talk show or late night talk show where um, they, you know, there was a, a couple and, and a female and they were just talking about how they live together. They have two apartments in the same building the kid is mostly with her, but also with them and how, how awesome it is. And I was like, I felt so inspired. And so, wow, first of all, what an idea. Second of all, I really applauded them for taking the courage of thinking outside the box and of, you know, starting something that felt true to them. And I think, I know it for me, it's plan B at, the, at this point in time. At the same time, there were also moments where I felt like that's my plan A, really. If I really want to have biological kids, I really don't know yet. So, and that's also something, you know, that um, I know my mom feels really weird about that I may or may not give her grandkids at some point in my life. You know, that's, and she has said before to my other sister, hey, I don't think Nessie will ever have kids. I'm like, well, she doesn't even know <laughs> at the same time. Now I'm like, I also don't know. And it's okay to not have kids too. And it's also okay to have like 10. Um, and yeah, that's the beauty. And yeah, there, there are many challenges that we are always facing. And at the same time, I hope that we can all get to a point where we just feel happy and safe and, and good about our choices. And, you know, in retrospect, I also think that a lot of things that I got to experience were learning experiences and brought me closer to whatever comes next and now I know what I really don't want and I also know what I kind of want and hopefully one day I really know what I want and and uh, be happy and really content with that choice or that circumstance. Nessie, I just have to point out um you have a very beautiful way of uh, beautiful outlook and it's very open and it's very, uh, it's not restrictive and it's very refreshing to hear that. And um, I don't know the way that you speak about it and you say that there's almost like, there's almost like a pressure from your mom and even your grandmother saying, well, am I going to ever, ever going to get grandkids or like, you know, it's like, it's funny how like there's these pressures that aren't even like, like, you know, to marry, to have children, right? And and the fact that, you know, you're saying the things that are, you're saying all the right things in my mind. And I think that's really beautiful. And it takes a lot, a lot of work to kind of get there. Um, 
And I think in this day and age of ever changing, it's really beautiful that you have that outlook. So I just want to make sure to comment on that. Oh, thank you, Mikey. That's really nice of you to say. Thank you. Yeah, something I think we need more of. Oh, do we now have an awkward pause? <laughs> no, it's just a, I think it's just a meeting thing. Um, yeah. Tough, tough fact to follow up on. I had some more like specific questions um, about the dating scene, but I don't know if we necessarily want to go there. Um, I guess. Oh, you, you, can I make a recommend, uh, not a, a request, recommendation, whatever you want to call it? How about sure. I do send you those links um, in a couple of days or later, and we just speak about your other questions about the dating scene uh, next time. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know it's already almost an hour and a half, and I think uh, we touched on a lot of subjects. Went way deeper than expected, but I think that that I should start expecting it at this point, just because these podcasts tend to, uh, you know, we just dive deep into whatever subject we're on. Um, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. The, I guess maybe I'll, I'll wrap up with one, one last question. Um, I guess about, uh, you have any practical tips or advice you think like, what would be some good dating advice you think, uh, both, you know, the men and the ladies, I guess, or anyone, what do you think would be sort of like your top advice for uh, anyone getting back out there now that COVID's sort of going away, at least in the US, certain parts of the world? Oh boy, that's a great question. Um, advice, I one thing that I come back to is follow your gut and follow what your what your stomach or your heart really tells you. And if it doesn't feel right, quit. Because um, I think that our inner, uh, our, our, you know, inner soul, our inner, uh, just that our gut knows way more than we do. Um, I know our mind can be really, really powerful. And but this person checks all the boxes for sure. You know, great job, great house, great car, great personality, great uh, whatever intelligence. That's good. And at the same time, I think our gut tells us if something just doesn't feel right. And feelings and chemistry is just so important. And um, yeah, I think it just boils down to follow your gut. Cool. I love it. How about you, Mikey? Any uh, advice that you would give? Um, I'd say my biggest piece of advice to anyone who is, you know, I mean, maybe not particularly just getting out there with COVID because um, it's something like obviously I've never seen before, so I don't really have any breadth of experience to speak to. But in general for dating, um, take your time, um, and and it's okay to to be picky um, and stay true to who you are and kind of like what you what you what you want really and what you what you won't tolerate. Um, I find so many times. I run into people who I've who I've met that were such an inspiration, were great, 
and that run in the later years, and they seem to have let a lot of their walls down, and a lot of those um, kind of expectations um, have kind of gone out the window, and, and they're in, become an entirely different person. And and that, like like Nessie says, that's okay in, in, in certain aspects. Um, but I think there's there's parts of where I think people should just be – shouldn't rush it and should just be very, very honest with themselves and just always ask themselves why they're doing anything. Um, and in particular in a relationship, why are you with this person? Is it because, you know, your grand, your parents want grandchildren? Is it because it's socially acceptable? Is it because my friends like that? Um, and just make sure it's what you want and not what your friends want, your family want, or what society deems acceptable. And um, I think on top of that, Nessie's point about going with your gut, um, you should be all right. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's it's funny because those those are both really <laughs> very timely, at least for me. And I, I think those would have been what I would say. Cause yeah, like take it slow. I it's it's weird. I um I wasn't expecting it, especially after just, just having that first date be so fresh, but um it's it's strange. It, it takes some getting used to, like going back into it. And I think that just kind of speaks to the um the sort of depth. I guess of like COVID and all the lockdowns and all that. Um, it's, it's kind of strange. I think there's, there's a lot of like stuff that you, that we missed out on. And I think um, it's going to be weird getting back out there for a lot of people. It's, it's going to feel awkward at first, but, um, but I think it's, I think it's important to do that too, because, you know, even, even with all the risks, I think even with all the heartbreak and, and, you know, miscommunications and all that, I think it's, it's, it's amazing that we still somehow, manage to put ourselves out there, you know, collectively and, and try new things and, and, you know, try to meet people and try to connect. Um, I think that that's kind of the, what Mikey was alluding to. It's one of the beautiful parts about being human. So I think on that note, um, it was a great podcast. You guys, I think, uh, you know, any final thoughts? Otherwise we'll, we'll wrap things up. Thanks again, both of you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And, um, Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to give a big thank to Nessie. Um, amazing, amazing perspectives and just um, a bunch of refreshing um, ideas and anecdotes that I myself have, um, haven't have heard of or haven't heard in a long time. So it was an absolute pleasure having her and uh, can learn a lot from her. So thank you, Nessie. Oh, thanks. Awesome. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get to revisit this, this sexy podcast idea. I think it, it has some potential and uh, excited to see where it goes. Like there's, it sounds like there's a clear, clear market for it. Well, and now that you are an expert in podcasting, um, we should really work on it. Yeah, let's, uh, let's chat a little bit offline and maybe, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll plan a little follow-up and see if, uh, you know, see if there's any progress in a few weeks or a few months. Stay awesome. tuned, part two with Nessie. Exactly. <laughs> Talk to you then. <laughs> okay. Bye. Awesome.